Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Olivia. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Today we have uh, Florencia Lalore. Yeah, Florencia has been my friend since we were newborns, basically. We've known each other all of our lives and been in each other's lives every stage in our lives. That's pretty fantastic. It really is. Um, she lived in New York and she's one of the reasons why I moved to New York City also. Um, Thank you, Florencia. Yeah. She's a family therapist. She is also an adoptee and uh, now specializes in adoption. So she came full circle. Flor is a fellow podcaster. Her podcast is La Voz del Hijo. It comes out every week. She also has a website called lavozdelhijo.org. You can find that info on her profile on our website where you can find more information about what she does and who she talks to about adoption. She has a lot of really interesting things to say. And this is the first remote interview that we've recorded. That's right. So we are ready to branch out all over the world. Watch out, world. Here we go. <laughs> Enjoy, everybody. Hi, Flo. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power. Thanks for Hi, being here. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, Flor is joining us from Argentina, and everybody should know she's in her car to get better audio. <laughs> <laughs> we have a mobile booth. So we have um, a lot of questions, and we want to tell people about how you have a podcast that they can follow as well. Um, but before we get there, tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Everybody should know, and they know by now if I told them in the intro that I've known you all my life. I think our parents knew each other before they had us. So yes, yes, like literally, you know, since being newborns, we've been together. Yes, you are my oldest friend. I think yes, actually, it's been a while. <laughs> yes, and we saw each other like. 24-7 because we went to the same school every day and then during the weekend we worked together every weekend. That's right. That's right. And the summers, all of it. Yes. So you know me. I know you. But I'll <laughs> I'll ask some questions so that other people get to know you too. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's start with your um story when you were a kid. Tell us, you know, a little bit of okay. who you are. <clears throat> okay. I was born in June 1980 and when I was I when when I was born my first mom gave me up for adoption I went to a foster home for 10 days and when I was 10 days I arrived into my parents home um so they are my adoptive parents and they were waiting for me, actually, with my older brother. He's three years older than me, and he's an adoptee, too. Um, I want to tell a little bit of my adoption story first. Yes. We, I, I grew up in a house where we always knew we were adopted. We always spoke about it freely um, I think my parents were like pioneers. Do you say pioneers in English? Yeah. Um, because I think that when we were born, at least in Argentina, adoption was still more taboo than, than it is nowadays. Mm. 
So I think my parents were like the first ones to to speak about it so freely with anyone. And I remember feeling that I could always ask anything. We always spoke about our first families. While growing up, I remember they always told us that if we ever wanted to search for them, they were going to be there for us and they were going to support us and help us. Um, of course, I remember going to school and kids saying stuff to me, but I remember getting home afterwards and speaking about it with my parents. And it was not something that made me suffer, I guess, because we always had like an open, an open door to speak about how we felt about it. They, they told us that we were so special, so special because they, they waited for us and they looked for us for so long that I, I think that when my brother and me, we were kids, uh, we, it actually uh, made us feel like too much, like we thought we were all that, you know, because we were <laughs> adoptees. Uh, and so there's this um, story about my brother getting home from school and he was so excited and, and he told my mom, 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 do you know that John is adopted? And my mom looked at him and she told him, okay, but you are adopted too. And my brother replied, oh, yes but I'm a very special adoptee. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so you were adopted at a very, very young age. Was your brother also that young when your parents adopted him? Yes. Actually, he was born when he was seven months, like... Um, premature. Yes, premature. Okay. And he was, I think, for a month or two, in the incubator mm-hmm. and we know that his biological grandmother was with him during that time and then he immediately got home to my parents okay and something I, sorry something no, no. nice for us is that uh, my parents didn't change our names our names were given by oh. our first mothers and they chose to respect that. So did they use um, an agency in Argentina just so that everybody knows? Back back then, there's a few things that are taboo, right? Like people don't talk about adoption, and everybody's super um, formal, and certain things that are like what could be seen as uh, flaws or. Anything that could be seen like in a negative way is hidden from society, right? Like uh, you couldn't get a divorce until like mid 90s, I think. And then the floodgates were open. Like there was all (laughs) these things. So like all everything for the outside was we're just perfect. This is the family of four, right? Like it all looks so perfect. And um, an adoption, I was going to ask you, did it run through a church or was it an agency? Because it wasn't that... Actually, the adoption system is very different than in the States because in the States, 
there are agencies. It's like a private sector in Argentina. Um, it's if you want to adopt a child today, you have to go through the state. There are no private agencies. Oh, interesting. Um, so, but when I was born, there were these NGO organizations um, that helped women. I, I mean, I know because I met my biological family and I will tell you more about it now, but my biological mother told me that when she was pregnant and she realized she couldn't take care of me, she went into one of these organizations and told them, look, I want you to help me find a family for my child because I won't be able to take care of her. Um, so first of all, what, what they did was try to see if they could help the mother keep the baby. And if that was not possible, they would take care of all the adoption process. So, all right. And then when we get deeper on your story, you'll tell us if that made it easier or harder for you to find your uh, biological family. Meaning, you know, I'm assuming that an agency in the middle would have more steps in place in case someone wants to find their biological parents. Mm. Right. But in Argentina, with those kind of organizations, I don't know if they had that planned. Well, today, those NGOs don't exist anymore because the law changed in 2015, actually not long ago. So now everything is through the state. But when I was born, when when you adopted a, a child or a baby for the adoption to be finalized, they are you had to sign a paper with a notary public. Um, so it was not difficult for me to find my first mom. Actually, it was very easy. But I think I was lucky also, right? Uh, yeah. Well, and also people should know that Argentina is coming off from a dictatorship, right? 1980s, um, where a lot of the babies went missing. Not that you were uh, the daughter of a missing person, uh, you weren't, we know that, but, yes. um, but so the rules have been changing because ever since 1980s, Argentina, this is constantly on debate. I'm assuming you obviously know more about this. Yes. Right? But like, yes. It's a, it's a very sensitive matter because of the 30,000 or more, uh, people that were missing and their, the people that were pregnant lost their kids, right? They didn't yes. lose them. They appear, they gave them away to some other family. Yes. So it's a very sensitive um, issue in Argentina. So how old were you when you found your um, biological mother? I was 25. Actually, I I think that my parents, well, I never asked them this, but I guess they they were not surprised when I said that I wanted to look for her. Um because I would I, say, um, growing up with you, there, that was something that you used to bring up all the time. In fact, I remember a few things of us growing up um, regarding this subject. I remember us having a sleepover at someone's house, one of our friends' house, and we were all sleeping in their living room, like right next to each other. And you probably won't remember this, but you were telling us a story that your parents told you at some point about how Jesus 
was adopted by Mary and Joseph on earth and they were their, his adoptive family and how you and, and Pablo were both um, here as, you know, their yes. family. <laughs> anyway, that's one story that I have. And the other one is, I think when we were 14 or 15, you were talking to your mom. She was telling you stories about how um, a woman that she would cross on the street would tell her like, oh, she got so big or yes. things like that. Yes. You always had this fantasy or thought like, what if that was my um, first mom, the way you, yes. you say. Like, yes. Um, so I think it was always something that you wanted to do. But before we jump into that story, I want to tell people a little more about, like ask you a little bit more why you felt that, um, like why you felt drawn to look for her. Like I know that it's probably something that's very common, but not all people that are adopted want to find their biological family, right? Yes. Actually, my brother never wanted to do that. So he hasn't. And I, I I sometimes still ask him, like, I want to look for his biological mother and he doesn't want to. Um, so I totally respect that. Like, each adopted person has their own feelings, you know. But I don't know. If I think about it, I I think there are probably many things that that took me towards that decision I guess I always, I was always curious about knowing why, why, why did my first mother decided to give me away? And I guess this is a question most of adoptees have. Um, but I, I needed to know, like at some point in my life, I thought, what if I die and leave this world and without knowing you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I didn't want that to happen. And also, I guess, Oli, you know more about my life and it was not easy. And growing up, maybe with, with the difficulties I had to, to confront, maybe that always made me wonder what would my life have, could have been if I, if I wasn't given away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I would say um, you and I had like some part, I mean, besides being, having a lot in common, we also had some things like your dad was very close with my dad. They both started dating outside of their marriage before they separated. Yes. Um, and they both got like separated from our mothers and, eventually divorced right around the same time. So we went through that kind of like together as yes. well. Um, but um, the difference, I think it's because you were adopted there. There was also the, the fantasy of like, what if I was somewhere else? Right. And I think yes. also finding your parents probably helped with your relationship with your uh, adopted parents, with your parents. Right, like finding the reality of yes, I guess yes, I guess it helped me realize that I when when I got into this earth, I guess I came where I had to come, you mm -hmm. know. Um, yeah, I guess it helped me understand that. I mean 
growing up, for me, it was not very easy, actually. Um, it's not something I, I share all the time because I guess I want to be respectful with, with my family members that are still here. But I'm going to try and and be respectful. And you can share as much or as little as you want. You know? Okay, okay. Yeah, like yeah. I would just say, knowing your story, there there was some big personalities around you growing up. Yes, or yes. Or one in particular. Yes, my dad. I mean, yes. he's... And if you... I always hear people saying how childhood is the best time in life. And for me, to be honest, I think it was the worst. And I'm so glad I'm, I'm not a child anymore. Like being an, an adult for me, it's totally the best, even though you it's have more responsibility. Power. Yes. Uh, I would never want to live my childhood or, or teenage years again. Um, mm. What I remember is my dad left my home when I was almost 11 and until he left, my memories is that we lived in constant fear. Um, yeah. My dad, mm -hmm. uh, he is aggressive. And I know he, he also had an aggressive father himself. So I always think he, he repeated <coughs> his story and... This is what I felt, right? Because we we spoke about this many times with my brother and, and in many situations we don't agree because I guess each human being, we are all unique and we feel yeah, what I mean, we feel. So For sure. Yeah, I remember, yes, I remember feeling afraid all the time and, and I actually remember thinking that this was the norm, you know? I, I yeah. thought, I thought all fathers were like that. And I remember going to a friend's home and praying to all the gods that the brother was that the father was not there. And maybe yeah. my friend's father was like very nice, poor guy. I don't know. Um and I guess I realized I started to to realize that this this was not normal and when I started therapy. Um yeah. Sure. When my, my dad left my home, he he came one day, I remember, and told my mom, my brother and me that he wanted to speak with us. And we all sat down and he told us that he was leaving. And if I'm very honest, I'm going to be very honest. I remember my brother started crying and he's older than me. So he was like 14 years old. And I didn't cry at all. I remember, I remember feeling relieved. Yes. I, yeah. Of course, I couldn't say it at that moment. But now I can. I was relieved. Um, of course. Yeah. So your, your parents didn't have a good relationship. And your dad um, has a big personality where I think... Um, it's like a narcissistic, like he's very charismatic and he's super nice to the outside, but I can see how on the inside doors in 
it's very hard to live with that. And also, yes. you know, um, yeah, you if you don't work through therapy, through your anger and your issues, those things, yes. will, like you'll take them out on the people that are closest to you, right? Yes. Also, sure. Oli, don't you think, I, I don't know, I guess in the States it was probably the same, but I feel our parents belong to a generation that was very chauvinistic. So my dad and my mom were together since they were 15 years old and they got married when they were 20. And my mom had to do what my father said. Uh, she was like 100% submissive to my dad and, you know, so... I think she was actually afraid of him too, of course. And that also caused her having, like, accentuating her mental issues, right? Yes, your totally. Mom was very totally. sweet, a very good lady, but then she ended up suffering from mental yes. health. And they were together for 30 years. I think, like, wow, it's a lot for someone to be with a person like that, right? Um And when my dad told us he was leaving, of course, he told us that he was leaving because they were not getting along. Um, for my mom, it was a surprise. It's not like they had a conversation beforehand, adults yeah. together. My mom was like, she had no idea what was going on. Um, And may I add that a month later, your dad showed up in like the country club with the new girlfriend that was pregnant. Yes, But we still didn't know about it. Like I know. It was like, what found, is that? Who is that? It's insane. I know. Later, we found, I found out, I think I was the last one to find out that he had another woman and that he had been with her like for the past four years. And I actually, no one told me, you know how they thought kids didn't realize anything? Yeah. I was 11. I was not one. So I went yeah. to my mom and I told her, mom, um, just dad has another woman, woman, because I want you to tell me. So she finally did tell me. She was like, well, yes, he does. Uh, I think my brother already knew. Actually, I think my brother had already met her and no one had yeah, told I me remember, anything. I remember that. I remember your dad started bringing her to the weekends in the polo club. And yes. Uh, every, like my parents, not my parents, because my parents were separated as well, but like my mom and all the ladies in town would be like, oh, you can't say anything. You can't say I, I was like, I have to keep this secret from my friend. Like, this is insane. While he's like waltzing around with her. Hmm. I know, I know. And then I think what what made everything worse was their divorce. Their divorce lasted almost 10 years. So oh my goodness. I always say it was like third world war because for me it felt that way. And um, I, I always felt my dad would involve us in their divorce. My mom tried not to and my dad would put us in the middle and would, I remember he telling me, you have to tell this to your mother. She shouldn't do. And I would, I was afraid of him, but I would confront him and tell him, You shouldn't be telling this to me. You, you Well, and, and that brings me to the next step. I think um, we talk about power here, and, um, and I've told you this before, but um, we talk about how you connect with a higher power and how you own your own power here. And um, I always felt like 
as much as you were coming from a place from fear, you always felt like you had some power to at least confront him. Like, yes, you don't want to go back to your childhood because you were powerless in a lot of ways, right? Like you're up to his mercy. But at the same time, you had the guts to tell him this is where this is where it stops. Like, here's the boundary. Even if it means I'm not talking to you for X amount of time. Yes. And to be honest, I don't know how I did that. (laughs) Like, I really don't know how I, I was so afraid. I know I was so afraid. So I actually think my therapist really helped me. Like when my dad left, my mom, there was an episode with my father. And I remember being at home and crying, like, in such a state that I think my mom got really worried and she called this therapist that someone recommended her and the therapist came to my home and that's when I met her. And I always, like nowadays I work with her. She's a psychiatrist and a family therapist and she specializes in violence and trauma and and we work together now. I'm, I'm a therapist and I always tell her, you saved my life. Because she Will was, you tell us what what she did. Like, what was the shift to she get out of She said something fear? to me that I will never forget. That I remember, it was so important for me. It it helped me make like a click. You know, she told me, "You don't have to put up with anyone being aggressive with you." anyone, not matter who he is. Yeah. It doesn't matter Mm. if he's your father, you don't have to put up with anything. And that I remember, I felt like, thank you. You know, thank you. Gave you you the power. You have the permission to. Yes. Because people usually told me he's your father. Fathers. I don't know. You know, they make you feel whatever he says is right. You have to put up with it. Yes, very patriarchal. Yes. And I guess people actually didn't know the truth that what was going on inside our home, literally. So people said that and they didn't know. Well, and also your mom was silenced, right? Meaning because she was suffering from her own relationship. Yes, my mom, I think... Let I, I want to say this first. My mom passed away um, five months ago. So um, I don't want to get emotional, sorry. But it's it's still hard to, to think that she's not here anymore. Um, mm-hmm. She was sure. 72 years old and she suddenly had a heart attack. So um, I think she never got over the fact that my dad left her. You know, it was crazy the way he treated her all her life and she never got over it. Like I I remember when I was older, even telling her, mom, dad leaving you was the best thing that happened to you. She Mm. didn't see it that way. She she was 15, right? Yes, yes. And I actually, and she had a hard life too. Um... I think she got really depressed when my dad left her and finding out my dad was was with another woman and also my father having a 
his daughter, you know, my mom was the one that couldn't have kids. So Mm. my dad had another daughter. My mom was very nice with my sister. We actually took her home with my mom and, and I always admired her for this because she always told us, look, this baby doesn't have any fault of anything. So you have to love her and, and she invited her to our house, to our home. Um, so, but I guess also everything that happened during the divorce, it got worse and worse. And she, I, I feel that she never got over it, you know, and with years went by and, and she got worse and worse and, she was never able to find someone else. I remember wanting her to date someone. She was never able to do that. Um, she she didn't work. So I guess um, that was it. Yeah, she was, she was never able to rebuild her life. Yes, yes. Um, but she was, she was loving and caring and... She gave unconditional love in that way, even to your sister. Um, it's just that because she was in a toxic, abusive relationship yes. all of her life. 15, you're a kid. Yes. Um, it's very mm-hmm. hard to know who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, a higher power presence during all of these years and turmoil. Not now, but like back then, did you did you have a... a connection with a higher power did you feel i i do have faith and i always had um but i always i remember even being a teenager always thinking that whichever religion you are i think we all share the same god if we Mm -hmm. want to call it god i i think there's like a higher power out there and um it did help me many times throughout difficult times. Yes, it did. Um, I, I like what I think is that in life, the most important thing for every human being is to be a good person, to be kind. That's for me, that's like the most important value. And it is what I try to teach my, my kids. Um, mm-hmm. you never know what someone's going through at home. So be yes. kind. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, so when going through the years, right? Like you, you, you're telling us about your parents' divorce and then you go to college, you, uh, become a therapist. You also spent some years not talking to your dad and your dad trying to get back into your life. Yes. Um, the thing that people should know is that the thing that your dad did besides you know all of the things that may have happened closed doors he also you come from a very big family he has a very big family and he generated this um power dynamic where if you were talking to him everybody was allowed to be in touch with you but if you were not talking to him he would put in some pressure to the other members of the house to yes. of the family to leave you out, right? Yes, he's the the eldest son. He's not the eldest child, but he's the eldest the eldest son of of seven kids. 
And I never met my grandfather because he died before I was born, but I've heard stories about how how harsh he was with my dad. He was Irish and uh, came from from a big Irish family where they were all very strict. And I, I'm not sure if if it's the culture or, but mm-hmm. uh, yes. And so he he had this power. In he still has, I think. When I was older, I didn't speak or see my dad for 12 years. Actually, he didn't come to my wedding. He was not in my life when my two daughters were born. Um, how did I get to that point? I, I got to a point where I needed distance from him. And, and I actually spoke with him about this. And I told him, that it was so hard for me to to know how to have a relationship with him without being constantly hurt and and in fear so i told him i need time to to know how how to do this you know how to have a relationship with you so 12 years went by and, and at that time you started looking for your uh first mom yes um, when I was 24 years old, I started my search and I, and actually my mom helped me and it was, I think I was lucky and it was very easy because they give you the information from when you were born. So I was 24 years old and they gave me the information from my first mother from 1980. So then yeah. I had mm-hmm. to start making this detective work. Uh, and I found her like in free Google, everyone, two minutes. No, yeah. but not with the internet. You are yeah, exactly free go- Google. Yeah. Yes. With the phone book, <laughs> like in, yeah. there were only 10 people with her last name, which it was weird because usually every surname had like 300 people. So I found the first person in the list and it was her daughter's house. Amazing. So oh, wow. I found out I have a biological sister. Um, I, I'm going to try not to make it that long because I could speak for two hours <laughs> about this. But to make it short, I ended up writing her a letter. At that time, we still wrote letters. I didn't want to in, be too invasive with her. Um, I told her who I was and I told her that I just wanted to meet her and tell her that I I was not angry at her about anything. So, but she never replied and several months went by and mm. I don't know how I I got the courage and I called her and she answered the phone and when I told her I'm Florencia Lalor, she immediately told me, Oh, I got your letter. And then we started speaking and and I asked her if I could meet her. And she always said yes, but she canceled and she canceled again. And one year went by until we finally met. I remember I went to her apartment. Um, She's actually much older than my parents because she had me when she was 35 years old. 
So when I saw her, I saw like a, like a grandmother, you know, um, and we spoke and the first time I saw her, I guess it was like, for me, it was like meeting someone I didn't know, you know, sometimes. Sorry, I'm going to say one more thing. That's because in Argentina at that time, and even like 20 years ago, people were all having kids at 20, 21, 22, and 23, right? Like if you weren't yes. married, but you were 23, like, eh, nobody was having kids at 35, unless it was like kid number five. Can I ask you a question? How did you feel during that year when you were trying to set up this meeting, but, you know, she was canceling and, you know, that seems like it would be really hard, but you persevered. Yes, it was. I mean, I was very nervous and anxious and many things were going on. Also, I was finishing my psychology degree and I was about to get married and suddenly my husband told me uh, my job wants me to go live it to New York and I was like what uh, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere <laughs> I finally did go to New York with him but there were so many things going on um, I guess these other things were also a distraction but when it came okay. to my first mom I really trying to put myself in her shoes and trying to understand that mm. she needed time. Like it's not the same to be the one who searches than to be the one that is found. Sure. So sure. I, I tried to be, to understand her and to give her the time and space she needed. Um, I, I, I didn't pressure her. So I guess that was right because in the end she was the one who called me and told me let's meet. Um, so I was able to ask her why she gave me up for adoption and she told me she was a nurse all her life and she already had a daughter who was 10 years old and she told me I was a single mom living with an aunt and apparently her aunt told her, if you have another kid, you you are not no longer welcome here. So she felt she she didn't have the the economic means to have another child. So sure. I I understand that. I understand it. So she wanted me to have a family. Did you because I've heard your podcast, right? And so I wanted to know if you found physical um traits that you had in common yes with your biological family well I don't like the first time I met my first mom whose name is Elsa I didn't see myself a lot in her then with time I I started finding more of a resemblance so it wasn't something that happened to you because I know that it happened no. to some of your guests. Yes, yes. There are people who saw their, their selves like 100% the same. We do share, uh, I want to tell this because for me it was really like important and, and nice. Um, I, I'm passionate about uh, literature. I love to read. Um, I always had... And my mom and dad never read a book in their lives, I think. 
Um, and when I met my first mom, I found out she is passionate about literature. Um, I remember telling her about my life and I remember when I told her my parents were divorced, I, I felt she was like sad and disappointed about that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and well, she, she, I asked her about my first father. They, he was a doctor. They were dating. She told me that he moved to Israel Um, so they never saw each other again. And, and she told me that my sister didn't know about me, which I always found like, um, I don't know if I should say weird, but I'm always amazed at how, when an adult wants to hide something from mm. a kid, you do yeah. it, you know? Um, yeah, Like hiding a belly of a pregnancy to a 10-year-old. Yes, <laughs> yes, like hard, yes, hard exactly. It takes yes. a lot of work. Yes. So if, if I go forward, time went by, I moved to New York. I was, during several years, I was in touch with her and I saw her again. But then we lost touch until 2018. Um we got in touch again and she she's always been very very welcoming you know she's always said yes if i wanted to see her to meet with her um we started being in touch uh through messages mostly you know or or on the phone and we saw each other a couple of times and something something happened a year ago which which was Um, a biological cousin of mine contacted me. He apparently found out about me. Mm -hmm. He he didn't believe it. So he looked for me on Facebook and we got in touch and, and I told him, yes, I'm real. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was so nice. He is, he's much older than me. He's so nice. Like he was so happy, you know, I, And apparently they are like 30 cousins and he was so happy to have another one. I was, I was so surprised and he invited me for lunch. That's amazing. Yes. He invited me for lunch and we met and he told me, your sister has to know about you. And I told him, I agree, but her mother, our mother yeah. is the one that has to tell her, not us. So he spoke with my first mom and helped her speak with my sister. So last year, 2022, my sister found out about me and we met. She's actually a very, very nice person. We were born on the same day, which Crazy. still, um, oh, wow. yes. And last, at the end of 2022, my girls met my first mother and my sister and my husband met them too. So, so I, um, and you know, you're a therapist, so you'll tell us more. Right. But I, um, I work with energy and I think that like bringing shedding light into things that are in the shadows only helps healing and prevent things from happening again. 
So I think the work that your cousin did to kind of like bring light on their side of the family yes. so that this is not like you're not a dirty secret, like, you know, you're a member of the family that helps all the generations yes. heal. And the fact that you bring them to your daughter's lives also does the same thing, right? Like there's an openness about it where we we're all here experiencing whatever we need to go through. Yes. So while you were talking and knowing where what you do now and where you are now, I kept thinking about how um, there's these books from Donald Neil Walsh. They're called Conversations with I know, God. I know it. I've yes. been a lot of things. They're so good. And he talks about how our soul chooses before coming, who we're going to be with, what experiences we're going to have to like have a higher purpose for our soul and evolving and whatever people out there may believe or not. I truly believe that's true. And so I hear your story and how harsh it, it was growing up and all this fear. And then I see you transforming and blossoming into like, let's tell people that what you do now okay. is help adoptees and adoptive families with their trauma, because you talk about the original uh, trauma. Is it original? How you call it? The, the primal the, wound. Primal wound. Yes, actually, yes. I, I will go a little bit back again. When I moved to New York, it was the first time in my life I met other adult adoptees. I, I wanted okay. to meet adult adoptees forever. Like I was young and I told my mom, can you find out if someone is adopted your age and, and like introduce <laughs> them to me, please. I want to speak with an adult adoptee. And my mom was like, I don't know anyone. Probably, I think she might knew, but people didn't say it. Um, so being in New York and, and I, I was a volunteer at a, an adoption agency that's called Spence Chapin. And I was part of a, a pilot project. Uh, I was a mentor for kids who are adopted. And it was such a relief for me to hear other adoptees. They felt what I felt. Um, so mm -hmm. when I came back to Argentina, I wanted people in the, in the Spanish speaking community to have like a community like I, like I have in the States. So in 2018, I founded a website that's called La Voz del Hijo, which if we translate it, we can say it's like the adoptee's voice. And for the first okay. time there was a space for adoptees to share their stories. No judgment. I tell everyone, you can tell whatever your story was. You can feel here, not alone. Then I created a Facebook group only for adopted people. We are already like 314 and there are people from Europe and from all over Latin America. And I started recording podcasts about adoption and... Um, What else? Uh, oh, and you have private clients. Yes, I, I have my, my private practice and I work with adoptees, adults and families and parents and also with people that are not adopted too. Eh? Uh, I'm a family therapist. <laughs> I, I, I studied in New York too um, at the Ackerman Institute and at Columbia University. Uh, and I work there as a family therapist also. So I, I learned a lot. Um, but La, La Voz del Hijo, I'm, I'm still amazed at, at how much it, 
grew and and how much how, how much um how many people write to me even today uh thanking me they just thanking thank me for for giving them a, a space where they don't feel alone and mm -hmm. i'm still surprised really i'm thing. like wow i i i didn't think it was going to to have such an impact you know um and i love that i love that um that the story starts you know with the primal wound which you know for people out there is it's the 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 soul or the baby can feel the disconnection from the the mother and the womb and so that's called a primal wound. yes but then on top of that you had all of the story that you just told us that in a way was a driving force throughout all of your life to end up doing this, like finding, yes. it's like by healing others, you're healing yourself. Yes, totally. And I think everything I'm doing today, it helps, helps me um, because I, I actually think that all my struggles gave me maybe an empathy that maybe you, you cannot, it's not something you can learn in school. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So sure. it makes me think that everything I went through was worth it because today I can help so many people. So if you ask me, I would leave everything again, you know? Yes. Because um, being... And, and for lack of a better word, victim, because again, I feel like at some point you had, you always had the the strength to set the boundaries or to say that's enough or, you know, to stand up for yourself. Um, but you were victimized because of, you know, the yes. situations going on while you were growing up. And I think that being able to take that power Like and transform that into your own personal power. That's like a caterpillar and a butterfly, right? Like mm -hmm. you just blossom okay. from there. Okay, and I never. And then using that power to help everyone else. Yes, I never thought about it that way, but I like that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, even with with um, la voz del hijo. Um, I, I want to tell people that are that are listening to us that the website is also in English, so you can yes. all go into the website and read it because I everything I write in Spanish I write it also in English. Um, not the podcasts, unfortunately. Only one is in English because I interview uh, a, an American friend who who was a first mother. Um, and something, something else I did where I think it's important, um, last year I published an adoption story. Also it's in Spanish and also in English, it's called Hazel Eyes. And I always felt I wanted to, to write a story about adoption, which mentioned the first family because all the books mm. I have and sure. I know which I like, of course, but they never mention the first family. It's always about a a character that is there without a family and it's searching for a family, you know, but where did this character came from? 
So in hazel eyes, I mentioned the the it's actually divided in, into three parts. The first mother's voice, the adopted parent's voice, and the child's, the adoptee's voice. So you can read yeah, the three perspectives. And, and I've had many discussions about the book because I have parents who tell me, I, I don't think I want to read this to my child because it has a sad part. But that, yeah. that's exactly what I think. I think we should be able to speak about what is sad because it's there, right? It's not going to get yeah. away. And, yeah. and if you don't talk about it, then it becomes a bigger issue, right? Like yes. something to be ashamed of or something's wrong with me or something. Mm. Whereas if you talk, yes, that sad <clears throat> thing made this beautiful thing, then you can work through the sadness and not stay in like, yeah, with anything hidden in the closet, it's going to eat you up from yes. the inside. Yes. Yeah, and you can't move through it if you never discuss it. Yes, totally. Totally. How do you bring these, like all these experiences that you've had in this perspective and this great empathy, how does that inform the way that you raise your daughters? Okay, sometimes I wonder if I speak to them about everything too much. <laughs> but you know how they never spoke with me. They never spoke with me about what was going on. So I, but honestly, I, I suffer all the same. Well, I rather, I'm the same way too. I rather go the, like too much than, than less. Um, like I, I always tr I try to to speak with them about emotions, what we feel. Um, I don't know. I I I try to do my best. I know that I'm probably not doing everything right mm -hmm. because that's life. Is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I try. Yeah. So but that's the thing, right? Like the the first formative years is what we're constantly either repeating without paying attention or healing while yeah, unconsciously or you can consciously yes. work through it yes so that you don't repeat the pattern and yes. so that that's not driving the bus right yes like you, can, right. you know what um, what i want them to feel different about my adoption and everything something something i i I was able to to change is that many years ago I I I mean Oli you know me and I've always spoken about my adoption with with no problems I I've never mm -hmm. been reserved about that but I always felt in inside of me that people sometimes maybe maybe I was the one that felt that way and it was not their intention but I they made me feel like weird because people people would ask me oh you are adopted oh and you know your first mother and I would go <laughs> like yes oh and do you see her you know <laughs> and I would go like yes like and and they would make me feel like why are you asking me this in this way like if it's like something that's not normal that's weird and I got to a point in life where I like I couldn't care less about what people think 
Yes, I have two mm. families. Yeah. Yes, it's my reality. Maybe it's not the norm, but we are, we are, there are many of us with my reality out there. So I couldn't care less. And I want my, my daughters to feel this way. I want them, one is 13 and the other one is 10. I want them to be able to say, yes, I'm going to see my biological grandmother. I have a, I have yeah. an extra grandma. I don't know, you know, and I want them not to care. Actually, yes, sure. We, we have a wedding at the end of the month. One of my cousins, whom I don't know, I've never met him, he is getting married and he wants me to be there. So, <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so is he, this one of the, is this one of the 30 cousins? Yes. He's the youngest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's 30. So he texted me and I spoke with my husband and he was like, if you want, let's go. So I was like, okay, let's, let's be there, you know, and I'm, I don't know. I'll tell you about it afterwards, but I guess I can't I, wait to hear the story. Um, <laughs> like I want to be able to feel like not weird if people ask me, you know, yes, I suddenly have 30 new cousins. I'm welcoming all of yeah, them. And you the know? more you know them and the more it becomes a normal, it'll be easier because right now they're like your biological family. And then eventually it won't be, you won't, need to make the difference it's just my I cousin know. whatever yes. right yes that, yeah. well maybe i should say it now actually i yes. don't know maybe i should start not making the difference um yeah he's their cousins it doesn't matter where they came yes. from yes yes totally yeah. so how do you um connect with the higher power nowadays well um I don't know. I like, I feel like I'm open to everything. I like to explore everything, all ideas. Like I believe in a higher power. Um, sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't. I, I like to think we are all connected in a way and that we are energy. Um, I don't know. I, I'm open to everything and I believe in a higher power and it helps me. And then I want to know the question that everybody has a hard time with. When do you feel powerful? Well, I guess, you know what? I feel the most, maybe thinking about my story and what I accomplished with, with La Voz del Hijo and, and all my work I'm doing in the adoption field, um, when I'm working with a client and I, I make an intervention that I, I know I like, I'm trying to think how to say it in English, like that I, you made a change in that guy and that I made the right, you know, Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. feel powerful the right assessment. and I, and I yeah. feel, and I feel grateful when I, when I realize I, I was able to help the other person maybe understand or even make a change to be better. That's yeah. when I feel powerful and it's not easy, you know, because I have my many insecurities and doubts and whatever that I still work through. Um, 
but when I accomplished or, or when I realized I, I really, really, really help the other person, um, that's when I feel I'm powerful and that I, I can do it and I should continue doing this, you know? Yeah, you're on the right path that yes. you ended up here for a reason. Yes. And that's fantastic finding, you know, finding your power by sharing your wisdom and your perspective with others, right? Like, yes. Um, yes, you know, you know what? You you just made me think about something else. I guess I feel powerful when I realize I I'm really connecting with the other person on Mm -hmm. a profound level, you know, Mm -hmm. when I can accomplish that, I guess, because I guess that's the work. Real authentic, meaningful connection is an incredibly powerful thing. Yes. And because power doesn't come from one, it's like the same source for everybody, right? Like it's it's Mm -hmm. not from the ego place. It's the other like all in communion and when you're connecting in a real deep connection with someone, all the walls and all the pretends are not there, right? Like if not, you wouldn't be able to connect that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, with all your lessons and all your experiences, um, what would you tell the little women? Um, what is the sort of wisdom takeaway that you would give to the next generation about finding their path and their power and navigating all that? I I guess I would tell them not to give up. Um, mm-hmm. Not to give up in, in trying to, to find um, a sense or a meaning. Like, I, I know it's not easy to find the meaning in, in, in pain and in sorrow and in hardships, but I think everything happens for a reason, um, not, not just by chance, you know. I think everything that happens had to happen. So I guess that's what I would tell them, not to give up and, and to, to take the time to find that meaning and to n- n- not yeah. lose hope in finding it. It's not about what happened to you, it's about what you do with it. Exactly. Yes. I, I, I think I think there's always something good can come out from adversity. So Flo is gonna read us a poem um about her story. I mean that she finds very appropriate for her story and we can't wait. Let's hear it. Okay. The title is Legacy of an Adopted Child. It says once There were two women who never knew each other. One you do not remember. The other you call mother. Two different lives shaped to make yours one. One became your guiding star. The other became your son. The first gave you life and the second taught you to live in it. The first gave you a need for love, and the second was there to give it. One gave you a nationality, the other gave you a name. One gave you the seed of talent, 
the other gave you an aim. One gave you emotions, the other calmed your fears. One saw your first sweet smile, the other dried your tears. One gave you up, it was all that she could do. The other prayed for a child and God led her straight to you. And now you ask me through your tears, the age-old questions through the years. Heredity or environment, which are you the product of? Neither, my darling, neither. Just do different kinds of love. It's perfect, right? Yes. It's yes. really nice. Because I bet that's the struggle that a lot of adoptees have. Yes, I guess it's about acceptance and accepting like our reality and society should accept that an adoptee has two uh, families and, you know, um, yeah, but like integrating accepting those two personalities, yes, right? Totally. Like integrating. Yes. Um, yeah, that it's not either or. Yes, it's, the combination it's both. Of both. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for taking thank the you. time. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Join us next week when we talk with natural healer Jess Snyder. And don't forget, you can catch up with any of our episodes at any time in any of your favorite platforms.